My name is Krista Hoke, and on behalf of the Doorways Leadership and Influence Network, welcome. We enjoy talking with people from many different walks of life about how they lead others through their influence and how they influence others through their leadership. We hope you'll enjoy it too. Are you ready? Let's get started. Thanks for joining our podcast today. I'm Rick Shields. I'm joined with Mike Atkinson, my friend and colleague. And we're speaking today with Ben and Belu Grams, who are missionaries living in Argentina. Today, we're speaking with them about transition. Ben and Belu, your current ministry assignment is in Buenos Aires. You're at the Instituto Biblico Rio de la Plata, so the Bible Institute of, of Platte River Bible Institute in Buenos Aires. How many students are currently enrolled in the school? We have a ton of different programs, but in the residential program, we have 312 approximately. We have an online program of 70, Saturday program of almost 380. So a total in theology of 756 plus our uh, ministry schools of 517. So we're looking at 1,200, almost 1,300 students in total. Now, I've been to the Bible school several times. You've got a lot of people in a pretty small space. How do you do that? They had to be creative. A few decades ago, what they did is, uh, because there's a lack of space, they established two different programs that alternate. So they do three months on, three months off, and then so on and so forth, six months a year. But during the off months, another group of students comes in and studies. And it allows for the students of the, the off program to work, do their work studies program, and it helps lower the cost overall, and they can pay for their semester that way as well. So it's it works. a pretty innovative idea, and it it puts the campus to work all the time. Yeah. I mean, that there's only a short period of time in the course of a year when there are no classes at all. I guess probably between Christmas and New Year's basically is exactly. the only right. time. Wow, there's, so, about, there's about three weeks in in a year. But yeah, pretty much it's about a three-week break where everyone spends time with family. And then the rest of the year, 11 months, everyone on staff is there constantly. I got the opportunity to see your extensive resume, but I know you just mentioned being there in your leadership for a year. So what is exactly your role and how has this year been for you guys? So, <laughs> it's, been <crazy. laughs> it's been crazy. Yeah. My parents were in the, the presidents of the directors here for 42 years. They were missionaries here from 1979. Shortly after arriving, uh, they were invited to take over the position, and then they took it from, I would say, a handful of students to what it is today. They just transitioned into retirement in December of last year. Our plan was to have a year of overlap so we can learn from them, transition smoothly. COVID kind of stopped our plans. We're missionaries here, so our itineration, our support raising process took longer than we expected. And we only had about a year, no, not a year. Uh, we only had about a month of overlap yeah. with them. So we had to learn quickly. As soon as they were gone, we were expecting we'd be able to call them up, you know, anytime, ask them all the advice in the world. And we found ourselves several times asking them for advice and hearing them say, God will guide you. God is with you. He's been with you up to now. He will guide you. And we're like, oh, no, give me some advice. Yeah, <laughs> but that's tough. It's been, it's been a challenging year, but it exceeded our expectations. When we started, we expected the student body, the enrollment numbers to go down because of a change in leadership, financial situation of the country, many different things that were changing in the school. 
but we are having almost pre-pandemic numbers right now, which is a miracle, and it has exceeded our expectation. The the team, the staff has really embraced us. We expected to have to either win them over or gain their confidence, but from the very beginning, they've they've walked with us, they've had our back, and we haven't had to win them over. You know, Ben, I've known you since before you were born. You're born of American missionaries, but you were born in Argentina. You're pretty bilingual then. Yes. I am the only one of my siblings, we're three, and I'm the youngest, and I'm the only one that was actually born in Argentina. So I have dual citizenship, which opens so many doors here in this country. Uh, My parents were here for 42 years, but they only had the residency here. Whereas we can come in, uh, I have the Argentine citizenship uh, as far as how banks work and so many other benefits that come with being a citizen. God knew what he was doing. You know, if, uh, if I had been born anywhere else, it would have been a different story. But this allows me to be embraced as, as one of, of their own. You know, here in the country, they see us as, as Argentine. They see us as, as their own. And it's not this American missionary trying to impose his ideas and his ways on, on the nationals. Beilu is an Argentine also. She was born in Argentina. I am, yeah. And and I guess that was a question you may have already answered that. How has being Argentine citizens had an impact on you in the leadership at the school? Yeah, I don't think they they consider us as missionaries. Um, actually, most of the kids or the students that are coming, um, like that they are starting coming now to the school that they didn't or they didn't get to meet Reki and Sherry, they actually don't really know that we are missionaries. So that's a, I think that's a huge plus. Yeah, it's, you hear the message differently if it comes from one of your own. It's not that the message is being translated into your culture is that the message is coming from your own culture and someone that understands and grew up in your culture. It allows us to be fully ingrained into the culture and be able to speak to them in a way that they their ears will hear more pleasantly, if you may. And we yeah. can also feel identified with them um, as a culture. I mean, there's a whole background that everybody has that we understand. And we've been there, so it makes sense, and it's it's easier to help them as well. You guys mentioned getting having the shorter overlap than what you anticipated, and then dealing with all the challenges with COVID. So, if you look back, and, and you see guys now, and then you look back a year, in what ways have you grown, have changed through all these challenges uh, that have been thrown at you? Well, actually, our plan was to get here in 2017. Shortly before arriving into the country, we were made aware that the National Church here preferred us to work at a different Bible school first to gain experience, not under my parents. So that was unexpected for us. So we were able to learn a lot under different leadership, different style, uh, traditional, and and it allowed us to grow a lot more. Uh, so our our growth pattern had already started in 2017. We would have loved to have been here at the school to be able to learn you know the how the inner workings were before stepping into leadership but at the same time i think it ended up being the best way because we could step in and say hey i didn't know that this is how it was before so this is how we're going to do it because this is what i know so people can't be like oh no but before we used to do it this way 
we can come in. Yes, of course, you know, in a transition, you don't want to shake the boat too much. But we we came in with that to our advantage to where we could say, we're going to shift this, we're going to change this, even though what might have been done differently before, we're coming in fresh, we're coming in new with new ideas. And they're embracing them more than had we been here for a whole year, they would have expected us to adjust to the way that things had already been done previously. Above and beyond that, I just finished my master's degree in strategic leadership in December of last year. Uh, so there was a lot of growth that occurred there, a lot of tools that I received and, and Beilu really helped a lot to make that a reality. You know, anytime that you're studying and you're a part of a family, it's a whole family uh, effort to make that a reality. So she took on so many more roles to make that possible. And I think in a practical way, we learn something every single day, mm. just because Raki and Sherry did it for 42 years. And we are just getting here. So honestly, I always say it's one day at a time, one thing at a time. And I find myself listening more than anything because I just need to learn what they are used to and then think of every single thing, pray about it, and then make decisions. And another thing that we also learned is not take the pressure of knowing that every single decision we make affects a ton of people so that's that's something that we really need to rely on god before making one single decision you know and thinking through every decision too because sometimes you just make a decision thinking it's the right thing but you don't think of the repercussions how it's going to affect other people it might affect a different department it might affect a different area person that has ownership of how things are working and if you come in and just change something of another area that impacts them, but don't notify them, they feel either undervalued or ignored. And so we've had to think through all the repercussions of each decision. But something that Bilo mentioned just now is something that we've had to do from the very beginning, especially focused on in the very beginning is listening, listening a lot. Though we were learning how things worked here, we didn't come in and say, this is how we think it's going to be. We first came in and observed a lot, listened, sat with each of the staff members and said, how are you feeling? What are the challenges that you're experiencing? What would you do differently? What areas are you doing right now that you feel shouldn't be your responsibility to do? And how would you approach your role in a different way? And so listening really gave us insight into what things needed to be tweaked to make things work more smoothly. Beilu, what are you? your roles or responsibilities at the school? As of now, and this is everywhere, I'm very aware that I'm first a mom and then comes the Bible school. Once I'm a mom, I'm trying to help Ben as much as I can. He doesn't have an assistant right now. That is something that Rocky used to do. But the Bible school was in a position, like financially positioned to be able to hire somebody for his assistant. And by the way, the assistant that used to be Rocky's, he's no longer w working at the Bible school. It's not that the, we we fire anybody. He just is not working anymore. So I'm just trying to help Ben. I'm helping him. Well, we, we, do, we do teach together for second year. We do like Christian, Christian family that we do that together. We also... I try to uh, teach as much as much as I can with the classes. 
And then I'm also grading papers. I also I'm in the office every single day, more than anything, because I just know and understand that it's important for the students for me to be visible to them. And any time that they they need to talk to me or any questions they have, they know I am available. So that's a plus. And I also meet with our chaplains every single week, just because with this amount of students, there's no way I can be the only one knowing about the students. And I want to know about their lives. And it's really hard for every single student to come and talk to me. So I meet with the chaplains every week and we talk about certain kids or certain students or certain situations that uh, need either guidance or help or I don't know, brain brainstorm ideas. It's it's a lot. And on top of that, we do our missionary work, which is like all the fun stuff like reports and newsletters. I'm Rick Shields. Mike Atkinson and I are speaking with Ben and Bailu Grams, who are missionaries living in Buenos Aires, Argentina, about transitions. Specifically, we're talking about how someone, or in this case, how they as a couple follow beloved, effective long-term leaders, by the way, Ben's parents. So let me ask you this. Cultures change, behaviors change, people change, organizations change. What changes, if any, have you made in the past, what's it been, 11 months? And what were some of the challenges that you faced in implementing those decisions? Change in the school I was thinking, we mentioned earlier about how we listened a lot to the staff. And one of the things we noticed is that many of them felt like communication was one of the issues that they were running into a lot. There would be decisions made, but it would not be communicated to the whole staff. And so a lot of the staff members felt like there were islands on their own. You know, they would work on their own thing, but they wouldn't really cross-pollinate, if you may. Uh, they wouldn't help each other out. There was no no synergy. There was no team effort beyond something that would affect themselves. We started communicating a lot more. We shifted what used to be an hour-long weekly staff devotional. We shifted it into a staff meeting with like a 15-minute devotional at the end or leadership thoughts that would equip them and help them. Uh, but the previous 45 minutes, we would spend on celebrating them. What what happened this week? What accomplishments? What well, was a victory for the week? And let's celebrate that together. Even though it doesn't impact you, it impacts the whole of us. And then we started celebrating individuals. If someone went beyond the call of duty, let's celebrate that person. So we created a cultural celebration. And then during those weekly meetings, we would communicate any announcement, anything that's going on. We would listen, brainstorm together. Someone would bring up a problem. And then all of us together would try to brainstorm for a solution. We also shortly, uh, just a little bit ago, we got all the names of the current students and we will divide them up into, you know, each staff member will pick three and we will pray for that, those three people for the whole rest of that week. And that has really glued our staff members to the students in a deeper way. Rick and I have talked before in, in prior podcasts about how important trust is as a leader. It's important that those that you're leading trust you. And one of the things you said earlier uh, regarding your parents and asking them, it it came across that they trust you very well, that you guys have this, that, that lean upon, you know, kind of your experience and skill set. But then you also mentioned that the students gravitated towards you as well and not being an outsider, but they they brought you in and and really took to you both. So 
how did you, was it an intentional thing or do you think that to develop that trust, was there anything that you did that you, that you look back and say, Hey, I think that was an important step for us. Or did you kind of just come in and, and, and they sense that right away and, and impart that trust to you all? So from the very beginning, we had a trend, like passing the mantle transition ceremony with my parents at that event, we had at least two or three people of the faculty come to us and said, just like I was with your parents, I will be with you, with wow. both of you. We've felt that trust from the very beginning. And it has been such a key to the success that perhaps we are having as leaders or the school is having right now. Just knowing that people are backing us, that our staff members have our back, that we can make decisions and people are not going to be criticizing them as soon as we walk out of the room makes all the difference. We can feel like we're all pushing in the same direction and not, you know, in separate directions. So having that trust, inheriting that trust, because it wasn't as much something that we did, though, obviously they were observing as soon as we stepped into the role, we've been observed from every word, every decision, every action, you know, we've been evaluated, but we've passed a test well enough to where we haven't lost that trust. One of the things we decided with Belu even before getting here is let's make sure that the, the ship is steady before we start making transition and changes. And uh, we tried to maintain as many things the same as, as we could. And then maybe two or three months in, we started making some changes that would not be as noticeable. And if we did make a bigger change, we explained it, explained it well and to all the people that were affected. One of the bigger changes we had to make was on the financial side, because when we stepped in, the school was not in a good financial situation because of two years of COVID, uh, lower enrollment numbers, the country and the financial situation, and, and several decisions that were made that ended up leaving the school in a bad financial situation. So we had to raise uh, the enrollment of several of the programs. One of the programs, the weekend program, had not increased in its tuition in over a year, yet the country's inflation had gone up, I would say that year, probably about 70%. The tuition was well below where it should be. So we had to jump that significantly. And though we had some backlash to that, and some people did not understand of the students, we hardly lost anyone. And we had new people join and people defending us. Among the students, you know, they had their, their chat and people would say, well, I've studied outside of the school and these are numbers that make sense. It's not that they're, you know, trying to become rich off of us. So it, as long as you explain the decisions you're making, people will be on board usually on those decisions. And that's something that we've tried to implement. Other changes we've made, we when people step down from their positions, you know, leaving the school, we didn't replace them right away. We shifted some of the roles so that those roles of that person would be taken on by other people. We do understand that that puts a, a greater burden on some people. So we have been walking with them, you know, checking up, how are you doing? What resources do you need? How can we walk with you better? And we are slowly getting to the point that we can bring more people in on staff again. The, the work studies group that we mentioned before, we reduced that probably about 10, 15 students from what it used to be. It used to be about 60, we lowered it to 45. And then just other decisions that we made on a financial side that put the school in a better situation financially to where now we're above board, we're floating, we're surviving, and uh, we're not in the crisis that we were when we first arrived. We're in a better place now that we are able to make 
decisions out of the abundance instead of out of the lack? Um, gaining trust takes a lot of time, and we all know that. And it takes a matter of seconds for you to lose that trust. Being in leadership, we had to learn not only by reading it, just by living it. We had to learn to be able to say sorry, not just say mm -hmm. it, by mean it. Because we, again, we're learning every single day new things, and every single decision we make affect a lot of people. So the times that we know that the people are affected in a wrong way by a decision that we made, we had to recognize that and stop everything and say, hey, we made a mistake. I'm so sorry. Even if it's for a group or if it's just to one person, it made all the difference in the world. And we can identify every single situation. Thankfully, there were not that many. But every situation that we had, it was a, it was a before and after. And I think we gained trust during those hard conversations. Speaking a little more specifically on that, there are two areas that we, now looking back, we, we kind of dropped the ball on because, you know, we took on so many areas that you're juggling so many balls, you don't realize one of them might have fallen on the floor. So our one of our executive leader, one of the members of our executive leadership had a heart attack and he had to not be at the school for several months. And we try to cover all of his roles, but we didn't realize that on the Saturday program that it's, it's students had just come and study, study on Saturdays. He was very present there and he was always in their devotional, in the chapel services. For several months there, we didn't have one of our executive leaders at the chapel services with them. And so once we realized that that was not occurring, we made sure, you know, we, we put a list up of all the Saturdays. We take turns and we make sure there's at least one person there because it shows them that we value them. Mike, we just uh, enjoyed a great conversation with Ben and Bailu Grams in Buenos Aires, Argentina. I, I think we both agree we'd like to have them back on sometime soon to chat with us. Tell me some of your first impressions when we look back over the conversation with them. What are some of the highlights that you found? Well, talk about an impressive couple. I just think you know both of them really illustrated their ability uh, to lead and to take it to heart. And so one of the things that, that Ben said that really struck me and struck home was when they were going through this transition that they explained decisions. And I think that's an important for us as leaders to understand that it's one thing to make a decision, make a change or whatever. But if we don't explain why, there's a, so many gaps, so many possibilities for a wrong interpretation for the reason for the change. People start making assumptions it can lead to disastrous results. And I think it was very important and wise on his part that he made it a point that they explained why they were making changes. And I think that's just a, a great thing to do. Not enough just to communicate we've made this change, but they go a step further and say, here are the reasons for this change. And then they also speak with the people, especially the principals that are involved, and try to make sure that they understand and get feedback from them and help guide them through that change. So I, right. I, think, and I, I think people that's amazing. People are, people are more acceptance of change if they understand the reasons why. Absolutely. And if you don't um, explain it, then like I said, it leads to assumptions, but it comes to more resistance as well because they don't understand uh, the reasons behind it or if there is a reason behind it or if you're just out there just pulling strings and, and doing a power play or whatever. But the more understanding they have, and obviously, as leaders, there are times when we can't be, we can't go full disclosure on some things. There may be reasons for, to keep uh, some things closer to the vest. But I think as much as possible, 
uh, we communicate and be as informative as possible. I'm I'm pretty proud of them. Uh, again, related to them, you know, it was change, and it was a big change. Again, 42 years that Rocky and Sherry, Sheila's sister and husband, had been leading the Bible school, and you want to make certain that the legacy that they left was honored, and it certainly has been honored. And in addition to that, uh, I think even has provided an opportunity for them to raise the bar to a another level, to a newer level, and make the changes necessary to move the school into the future and out of the past into the future. I think that's a scary thing for people in a transition to do that, you know, especially, again, 42 years right. of leadership. Yeah. And lot, you go a lot and of history start to making follow. changes. That's right. Yeah. It's a, a lot of history to follow and a lot of things that were done right. And so Absolutely. there's that there's that pressure that you know I want to keep things going well. It's it it can be somewhat intimidating through the process if you're following somebody that's been there that with that long type of history and, and that type of success to say you know how are we going to be involved? And I think Baylu said something again that was very brilliant. I appreciate it so much was saying being able to say I'm sorry that even when decisions and I think there's freedom. Uh, that comes in that that you're going to make decisions, but you're also going to be respectful and honor those that that are there. That you're going to you have the humility and the integrity and the willingness to say that this is a long term situation. I'm not just here to burn bridges or to make quick changes, but it's also I want to invest in these people and I want them to understand that they're important to us. And with that comes the when the when you when you say you're sorry. There is automatically uh, so much of a connection that's made. It's almost like you want to sometimes be intentional, <laughs> you know, not that you want to make mistakes or whatever, right. but to present yourself in such a way that say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm human. I'm going to make mistakes, but that's freedom for your people too, that they can come in to, in a lot of ways that you're saying, you know what? It's okay to make a mistake now and then. I think it's something that's part of a relationship that we're going to do that. We're human. We're going to err, but we're going to be ability, have the ability to move beyond that. And I think that was just brilliant. That's our show for today. Remember, If you would, please subscribe and uh, share the link with others who may benefit from this podcast as well. You're also welcome to make some recommendations to us about some future topics or recommendations about some people you'd like to see us connect with. And remember that we are better when we learn and grow together. Grace and peace to you. Hey, friend, that's our show for today. If you enjoyed the content or would like to hear future podcasts, Please subscribe so you can be notified when new podcasts are released. On behalf of Mike Atkinson, Rick Shields, and our amazing Doorways Leadership and Influence Network partners, this is Krista Hoke saying thanks for listening.